This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bear Boat Alaska, a pure DIY hunting game with one of their 37-foot adventure yachts. You and five of your friends can hunt, fish, set crab pots, shrimp pots, and take DIY to the next level. Bear Boat Alaska is locally owned by a Ketchikan resident who lives here year-round. Call Larry at 907-617-4542 or go to bearboatalaska.com. That's B-A-R-E boatalaska.com and tell Larry you heard about it on this podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Will Collins, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing wonderful, my friend. Glad glad to uh, to chat again. And as always, it's nice to be on this side of the mic. I don't have to worry about <laughs> anything other than just uh, showing up and uh, talking, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to start off with a, with a heater right off the bat here um, because I just came from school. What was something if anything that you learned from the high school experience what's one of the most valuable things um, and you don't have to answer like oh you know my english class really prepared me for life like uh that's as a teacher that's something i always kind of think about you know like what do the kids need to know what are they actually getting and then is there you know a discrepancy because no kids can be asked to identify symbolism and lord of the flies when they're adults um but what are some other things that uh that you took as far as value from uh, from high school Mm, for me, I think looking back on it, the biggest thing, and I wouldn't have told you this right away, but uh, the biggest thing uh, was just kind of like understanding and working out social structure. And uh, for me, a lot of that was through uh, team sports. Um, I did high school football four years and high school tennis four years. And then I did uh, speech team uh, forensics during uh all, all i think three years and between that and just uh kind of understanding i guess different clubs and dynamics of high school i think uh yeah just understanding how to work with a group and how to work with people who might have different views or or whatever to come to a common goal uh i would think is one of the things that i take away looking back on it just shooting off from the hip you know um those those uh those moments of yeah, striving for for a common goal under difficult circumstances when you're tired and uh, you know don't want to be there but can see a greater cause, uh, I think that translates for sure. Yeah, I think um, things like uh, work ethic and how you approach those sort of things too was was really big, and I, I try to focus on that and. Um, I think as teachers, sometimes we do, and I, I'm not like the type of person who says I'm on your side, kids, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a, a teacher, but it, I think reflection is, is really important. And we look at why education is deemed broken. And I think part of it is teachers just saying, well, I'm a hero and I'm this. And, you know, if the politicians would just give us money, then everything would be solved, but it's really not, not like that to be able to engage and be able to kind of help, um, is there anything that you wish your high school experience would have been um, like more of or had something that was uh I guess it's a, uh, it's a cliche almost, but uh, I think more of a, a small business and practical business. And I mean, taxes is kind of the cliche that everyone talks about. Right. But uh, yeah. you know, taxes, personal finance, um, uh, that type of stuff, especially because, A, I guess I have an interest in it now. Back then I didn't, but now I do. Um, and uh, it's just so important. And I think a lot of kids come from backgrounds that, uh, you know, if they don't get it in school and if they don't find some sort of personal interest in it outside of school later, they might not get it, you know, and it's yeah. an important uh, uh I guess, baseline for our, for our society, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There are other things I think about, I wish my high school had, cause it was a pretty small high school in rural Alaska. Um, you know, 16 kids in the graduating class, but I think, man, it'd be cool if we would have had that class. But I think back to the type of student I was like when I'm 16, 17 years <laughs> old, I'm not thinking about, wow, this is going to be really valuable. I probably would have just jumped through the hoops, but, um, yeah, yeah, there's always that's, a couple kids who get after it that uh, really make it worthwhile because they seem to have that foresight of, hey, this is going to benefit me, and that's that's really cool. So it's not just, 
you know, beating your head against or trying to convince them to, hey, you, this is going to be important one day because then you sound like, you know, everybody who said everything about anything, um, you just yeah. sound like that. There's two sides to that stone, though. One is that, uh, hey, you're right, is it's great still for the kids who are, uh, you know, quote, unquote, the overachievers or what have you. Uh, but also, uh, even though at the time uh, I was more uh, hard headed or you sounded like were as well, you know, maybe not as studious as uh, as we would have liked to have been those things still seeped through, even though we were like repelling them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so you still have to lob those things in there. You know, yeah. it's funny getting older. Cause I'm kind of at, uh, uh, an interesting age, you know, uh, 31 here in a couple weeks. So I'm not, uh, old by any means, but I'm old enough to look at the high school years and the younger days as, uh, a period bygone, because I feel like I've grown since then, you know, yeah. uh, and it's interesting looking back at that, uh, that time frame. It's like, yeah, you just don't really know, you know, the adults all want to tell you what is best because they really do know what's best, but you're not ready to accept that yeah. they know what's best, you know? Yeah. I think part of that too is, is presenting it in a way that's going to make it applicable. And if you have some kids who just hate or have a bad relationship with education and learning, then, you know, the term lifelong learners is just like old and cliche and gross and cheesy, but, um, it's fun to learn stuff. It's good to know stuff. Um, and just that sort of, I don't know everything and I want to learn more stuff. Like that's so much of, of being an adult is just having the, I guess, fortitude or having the attitude that this is something that I can learn. I can figure out how to podcast. I can figure out how to write. I can figure out how to, you know, try to market all these other sort of things. And I might not have much of a background in it, but this is something that I can learn. This is something that I can do. And that sort of educational or that intellectual confidence is so unbelievably important going forward, no matter what you're going into. Totally. And I think a baseline of that comes down to a lot, like you said, like perseverance, uh, kind of bringing it full circle. I think I did learn some of that in high school sports and, and just in high school in general, uh, just to like figuring it out. And also, uh, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about recently about, uh, what you were, uh, you know, what we're kind of talking about now in that, um, uh, and now of course I just lost my train of thought. What were we just talking about? <laughs> yeah. Ed- education, lifelong learning. Cause I'm sure, well, did you like your boat that you've been, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. I, I lost my train of thought right, right. As I was going into it classic. Uh, but yes, that's exactly right. So I started, uh, a, a lot of mem- thing that I've been saying in my mind a lot, uh, uh is that, I don't know much, but I can learn just about anything. Mm, right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I've been running a farm out here in Northern Illinois, uh, my family's farm, but I didn't grow up on it. And, uh, like you mentioned on social media, I've been, uh, I've been posting my, uh, trials and tribulations of getting, uh, some old boats fired up and running, uh, as we get warmer here for the springtime. And, uh, yeah, I didn't know any of that stuff going in. Um, you know, when I started three years ago on the farm, I had to, you know, figure everything out. And now I feel like I have a pretty good handle of it, of, you know, motors, of uh, a lot of the more uh, uh, hands-on mechanical work that I couldn't have told you anything about before. But now after three years of just having problems and having to figure it out, I have a much better understanding of that, which is something I've always wanted to uh, to gain. So that that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we first uh, were connected to do a podcast, I was like, okay, this guy canoes everywhere. What is his job? Like, what is he doing that allows him all this time to be, you know, if he's not a teacher, like, how is he doing these crazy canoe trips? Is he like a trust fund baby or something like that? And then, you know, I look at the Instagram store, I'm like, dude, this is like legit farm stuff. This is full (laughs) on like climbing towers, things like that, silos, like this is awesome. Yeah, it's neat. Uh, yeah, it's something. Yeah, something that I like doing, and uh, you know, I don't know if I'll be doing it forever, but uh, yeah, I've learned. I've learned a bunch doing it. Like I said, you know, especially uh, I, I before I started this gig, I wanted to. I didn't really have any knowledge about motors or mechanical stuff, and uh, it was always something like in the back of my head, like, "Oh man, I'd really love to be able to, you know, diagnose what's going on with my car, or figure out what's going on with the truck." And uh, now I just, yeah, it's second nature almost because I have to do it all the time. You know, just the other day we were doing uh, uh, new brakes and calipers and uh, you know uh, all kinds of different stuff that, yeah, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do. Um, and also it's frustrating doing that stuff, but 
I think the whole the lens of this whole conversation is important in that you can't think of it as like, oh man, this sucks. Uh, I'm you know cranking wrenches and I don't know what I'm doing and it's just terrible. It's cold out here. It's got to be like, okay, this is a new challenge. So next time, you know, five years down the road when my brakes go out, uh, no big deal. I can fix them myself and save myself, you know, 500, 600 bucks, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. What, what is the farm? What are you, uh, what are you doing? What's how long has it been in the family? All that stuff. Uh, so we have a couple different farms, but, uh, the one that I'm running here, it's a livestock operation. So we raise, uh, pigs. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. This is one of the things I like about having guests on more than once because you get different angles. If you have the same, if, if it's new every single moment, you get better doing interviews, but it's nice to kind of, you can kind of dive in and you know what to ask and you're, you're more comfortable. You're, you're familiar with it. It's pretty cool to find that stuff out. And then where are these, where are these boats coming from? Oh man. And that's just a, uh, it's just a passion. And that's a nice part of being on the farm is that, uh, I got plenty of space. So I got, <laughs> Uh, I got five canoes or six canoes, uh, six canoes. Um, I got three boats. So I got uh, one fishing boat. I got a, a uh, like a bass fishing boat. It's a 1986 Raging Cajun. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a uh, 150 horsepower. Uh, uh, man, that thing smokes and uh, and is all all loud as get up. Um, and then I got a, uh, a flat bottom boat that I just got that I, that was the one I was working on that, uh, I think you were referring to and saw in the social media post, the Instagram post there. Um, that's a flat bottom eight, 18 foot boat, 60 horse. That should be really good for the rivers. Um, and then I also have a aluminum drift boat that, uh, is not mine, but my buddy has it stored here and is yeah kind of up for grabs. Nice. Yeah, that uh, is it a Mer or Mercury or Johnson you got on the back of that? Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Merc. It's a '94 Merc. '94 <laughs> Merc. Yeah. Once we start getting boats that are more than about ten years old here, if it's fiberglass, that's one thing. Because I did an eighty, yeah, I think it was an eighty-five Boston Whaler. It was a fifteen-footer, and it's an awesome boat because it stuck to the waves nice because because of the weight. But you know, it's that's 15 footer when you're out in the ocean. That's, that's not, uh, that's not a whole lot of freeboard. It's a little bit small for what we're looking at. You put a couple crab pots or shrimp pots on there and all of a sudden there's not a whole lot of deck space. Um, yeah, but whalers are classics though. Uh, huh? Yeah, for sure. They're, they're so cool. And part of me wishes I still had it, but we're, uh, we're working on a boat, um, just a, a 18 foot Lund, just a nice aluminum one to get us all around to be able to, to head into the coves and, and, and what that, um, how often do you get to use boats and do you prefer kind of that, uh, having, having a motor when you go to the rivers or are you just canoe through and through? Uh, a little bit of both, man. I, I, uh, I'm trying to get to the water as much as possible. I've been itching. Uh, that's why I've been tinkering with the, uh, with the flat bottom boat and getting ready for the spring here. Cause I've been itching to get out. I haven't been out this winter nearly as much as I'd like to. I still try and get out regularly, but, uh, for me, it's almost like working out. Like I have to get out, uh, to the river, the water, at least once a week, if I can, um, after work, I usually, yeah, once a week. And at least I usually have one day on the weekend of fishing. I don't have kids yet or anything. So that helps. Um, but, uh, I, I, I prefer either way. Usually I'm using the, uh, uh, Motor boats just for hardcore fishing. So just to go out there and spend the whole day fishing. When I'm canoeing, I'm usually just uh, I'm usually fishing too when I'm canoeing, but it's more of a uh, uh, paddle, paddle as well. Um, I'll take my girlfriend out or just going out to check out a new river and enjoy the scenery. Um, or if the rivers are too shallow or too narrow for uh, for the flat bottom boat, then I'll take the canoe and fish too. Mm -hmm. How close are you to? Um... Was that Lake Michigan? Is that uh, the the Great Lake? Yeah, it's Illinois and Wisconsin. How close are you to that? So I'm uh, exactly like right in the middle between uh, Lake Michigan to the east and uh, Mississippi River to the west. Okay. Uh, so I'm like an, an hour and a half from an hour and a half or so from either of them, um, which is kind of neat. Yeah, Lake, Lake Michigan is a beast, man. It's a big old, uh, oh, yeah. big old body of water. Do you uh, head over there and do much fishing over that way, or do you tend to go just go to the Mississippi? I head more towards the Mississippi and a lot of the local rivers and stuff around me here, but uh, I do go to Lake Michigan. Yeah, I, I go to Lake Michigan. Um, fair enough. Uh, 
I've gone up to uh, Milwaukee Harbor for some brown trout fishing a couple times. Haven't had any luck the two times I went, but um, there's some big brown trout in there, and I saw a couple guys pick up pick up a couple nice ones up. Um, but no, mostly I'm at least when I'm around here. I like to travel for fishing trips too, but when I'm around here, I'm chasing pike, uh, smallmouth. Uh, those are the big, big two ones that I chase, but, uh, I'll catch everything. Carp, uh, red horse, um, there's some sturgeon and stuff in oh, Mississippi wow. that are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, trailering boats and hauling them long distances seems like it's, I mean, it's not too bad here cause we have very far to go, but man, like down there with all the traffic and with everything else, like it's, it's gotta be just horrible, especially if you're heading heading east and going to Lake Michigan. I, I'm sure you're in some some super urban settings. That's got to be miserable. Oh, yeah, it's a pain. Luckily, I'm pretty comfortable with the trailer as far as just like maneuvering it. But it's always, you know, I always have the mirror tilted back, especially because I got these older boats. You know, it's not like I'm rocking a, uh, a 2023. And uh, one time I did have a tire go out on mm. a uh, on like a, the interstate uh, headed up to Green Bay, actually. Um, I had a tire go out on a bridge overpass on like an interstate. That was, that, that was not a fun one with my girlfriend in the car. And, uh, yeah, it was like an instant, like, boom. And just like, uh, you know, the steering wheels like vibrating all over the place. Uh, um, yeah, so that, that was not a fun one, but, uh, yeah, changed the tire and, uh, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Party on, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we got a lot of problems because it's obviously very wet up here and then you get the salt in the air too. So people who have their boats in on the, on the dock, their trailers just sitting in the elements and just rust out. And so every once in a while you'll see one where the, the axle just drops out or, um, something just fails and the, you know, the boat, uh, goes off on the side or something like that, or tips over. And yeah, there's, there's those, those larger ocean going fiberglass boats, man, that are just so heavy and there's so much momentum. It's, it's, it's terrifying to watch and you give those people a lot extra space if you're, uh, if you're behind them. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. The salt water is a whole different animal, man, especially just on, uh, just wear and tear and equipment and motors and boats and houses, I'm sure. And, uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That, that uh, marine environment is a, is a different ball game than the freshwater stuff. That's for sure. Yeah. You get a lot of winter storms and, and ice and such, right? So, uh, what's, what's oh, yeah. it like for, uh, do you kind of shut it down for the winter? Um, do you have closed seasons or what's your, what's your fishing like this time of year? Uh, it's all open, uh, here, which is nice open seasons. Um, the rivers typically stay open. I'm uh, just south enough where we have winters and it's bad, but uh, it's. I lived in South Dakota and Montana um, for a number of years uh, before I came back here and started working on the farm, and it's nothing compared to that. <laughs> um, you know, you, you you have to go. We're just south of the Wisconsin border. And really, the Wisconsin border is kind of about the start where you can get reliable ice fishing seasons. Mm. Um, so it's warm enough here that we'll have like, you know, maybe a handful of weekends that you could get out and do some ice fishing. But 
other than that, it's just kind of cold, but there's snow on the ground and gray. But uh, so, yeah, winter fishing is still, you know, just slower stuff, typically still doing bass. Uh, also get out for some walleye and some uh, sauger as well in, uh, in the winter and, and spring. Yeah, Illinois is a fairly large state like the I'm just looking at a map of it now. So you got Wisconsin uh, on the north and I obviously kind of know your basic geography, but then the southern part down there like you're. That's fairly it's huge. That's a, that's yeah, a big, it's big, huge big spread. And it's it's a pretty diverse state. Obviously, it's huge uh, agriculture, pretty much all farmland. You got Chicago and then uh, pretty much farmland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and another interesting thing about Illinois is I forget the exact stat, but I think it's like there's more. Uh, I don't know if it's paddleable or more uh, mileage of rivers in Illinois than I believe any state in the union. Um, I guess probably other than Alaska, we always <laughs> the lower you guys up yeah. there. Huh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, because you have the Mississippi, uh, which runs, of course, all the length of the border there, uh, that's a couple hundred miles at least of uh, of river. And then you have the Illinois River, which is very long. And then you got uh, all of the different streams and such in there. So yeah, there's a lot of river miles here in uh, in the Prairie State, and a lot of good uh, canoeing too. Surprisingly, that's what it's called, the Prairie State. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It's weird. When I think of, of like corn and whatnot, I think of like an Indiana and that's East of Illinois, which is, I don't know. It seems like there's this huge gap, like your Iowa and your, your Indiana and, and, and Missouri is far West. And there's like this gap of no man's land because Ohio definitely seems like it's just industrial urban, uh, rust belt. But, um, I don't know. Indi- Illinois and, and Indiana don't seem quite like that uh, to me. It's just, you know, not, I've I've only driven through that area once, so it's hard to you kind of know these yeah, random facts. But yeah, and it's it it is kind of interesting the uh, the the specifications of the Midwest too. Like you said, the di- distinction between the Rust Belt and like the uh, the breadbasket of like Kansas and, and South Dakota and that versus like I don't know what you call us, but yeah, Illinois and, and Iowa are huge corn producers. Um, I think the top two and, uh, yeah, but Southern Illinois is really pretty too. And it's so far from Chicago. Uh, it's like six <laughs> hours, you know, yeah, that's good. um, and, uh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, but it's pretty rolling Hills. Uh, and actually in the tip of Illinois is the most Northern Cypress Grove. Oh. Uh, uh, I, I believe in, I guess the Northern hemisphere in the world. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there's a, uh, like, a what you would imagine like the Florida Keys would be like, like a Cypress swamp or the Georgia Louisiana swamps mm-hmm. right on the Southern tip of, uh, of Illinois. I get it's a paddling destination. I haven't been there. I'd like to though. Yeah. What's kind of your local destination? I know you like to go on really epic long canoe trips, but you know, do you have like a favorite spot if you're going to road trip uh, down to the Ozarks or something like that, or hit the white river in Arkansas? Mm, uh, lots of places around here, uh, within like a three hour radius that we like to go to, but for us, most people, I would say, and me included, uh, you head North to Wisconsin up to the North woods of Wisconsin. That's where like people would vacation, um, or would have their cabins. Uh, and I like going up there just because it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's woods. It's beautiful. It's, uh, you know, like the land of 10,000 lakes, that's Minnesota, but Wisconsin's like that too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, uh, lots of rivers and lakes and, uh, it's pretty up there. Um, really pretty. Uh, I also really love this area called the driftless. It's the unsung hero of the Midwest wilderness. Uh, it's amazing. And, uh, you'd, you'd love it there too. It's, it's like you, you wouldn't know you were in the Midwest. So it's the only area where the glaciers didn't, uh, 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 flatten everything in the Midwest. So I guess it's like the, uh, glacial line where the glaciers came up to and then, uh, didn't melt. So it's all real hilly and, uh, big limestone bluffs overlooking the river, um, and, uh, yeah, it's really beautiful country up there and there's a lot of good, uh, surprisingly, there's some pretty good trout fishing there. Where, where um, is that? And it's called the driftless of, uh, so it's kind of like, uh, Iowa. So it'd be Northeastern Iowa, Northwestern Illinois, uh, Southern Wisconsin and yeah. South, uh, Eastern Minnesota. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's, it's kind of uh, very, 
little known area, but really beautiful. And uh, it's all really small, like organic uh, farms because of the uh, topography of it. It's all really steep rolling hills. So they can't uh, uh, farm on real large grain or large scale. So I think they were one of the pioneers of like uh, the whole community area of really going smaller scale based on the topography. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful up there. And and there's trout fishing in Iowa and uh, Wisconsin, big browns. Who would have thought that, right? Mm. Yeah, I guess Wisconsin maybe, um, but yeah, Iowa, I start thinking about, I don't know. I'm not sure what I think about when I think about Iowa. Dairy and <laughs> uh, corn. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I was born in Colorado, and we used to go back every summer, and then um, until high school, to my grandparents' uh, pass, and then uh, with my wife getting her PhD in Wyoming, spent a lot of time there. Um, so I have memories of, of that area and some, some new memories of that area in Nebraska. My parents used to go to, uh, a couple of lakes there on the, the Western part of that. Um, but never really got East. And so it just seems kind of a foreign land with some random stuff I know about. I know, uh, Michigan seems like it has some, some really cool brown trout rivers too. Oh yeah. Michigan, the off sable, I think is the name, how you say it, uh, famous uh world famous trout river they got a lot of good stuff there too another unsung hero it's funny uh uh so i grew up here in illinois northern illinois and then when i was 18 i moved out west uh, i went to college out west and then stayed out west uh, colorado south dakota and montana until uh three years ago or so four years ago i guess now um and i moved back uh so i was gone for 10 years and then moved back and um it's funny i never thought that i would move back of course <laughs> yeah, and of course. Uh, uh 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 when i was out west i was you know the mountain man and and all about the wilderness and i always kind of poo-pooed it here and now that i'm back here i've realized that oh the opportunities are plentiful there's so much opportunity and it's so uh i guess there's two aspects to it that I love. One is it's so underutilized compared to uh, a lot of the, the wilderness and other areas uh, in like a Boulder, Colorado or something like that. Um, and then B it's just like, there's no air of pretentiousness about it. In some of these mountain towns and other places in the West, it's like, uh, uh, you know, who's the biggest and baddest mountain climber, or who's going to shoot the biggest bull or who's going to, uh, uh, you know, bag the biggest peak and out here uh which is i think a similar ethos to your podcast is that it's just like it's you know there there isn't that i guess is the way to put it it's just uh you're just free to do whatever you want you know there's no pretentiousness there's no you know there's a guy fishing with minnows and a jig and a fly fisherman right next to him and you know it's just a nice mixing and there's no air of superiority in the outdoors i guess it's nice yeah, in my adventure lit class, we're reading Into Thin Air, and one of the main th- reasons why Crack Hour went uh, was to report on the commercialization of Mount Everest, and it, it got to the point where people who didn't deserve to really be on the mountain were being ushered up there, you know, and you had the guide and you had the Sherpas, and so it, it became s- obtainable to people it probably should not have been obtainable uh, to, and it was just you know, people who could throw money at things. And when you can just throw money at things, you don't really have that same appreciation. I, I saw that when I was living in California that, you know, some people loved just the artistry of fly fishing on those, you know, mountain creeks. But there was also this kind of desperate sort of scramble to have something. And then there's, of course, the, I got to have it big, bigger and badder and look at my boat or look at my whatever. And so, yeah, I think it's important to get out and get some perspective, get some space between you and home. And then if you want to come back on your own terms, I think that's, that's an important thing. Um, the own terms, uh, some people or students ask me, well, Mr. Lund, you, you moved back. I said, yeah, well, I was out in the world. So now I know kind of what it's like in certain areas and I'm, I'm choosing to be here. So, you know, don't get so excited about, you know, the fact that you're just going to, you know, skip that point where you live elsewhere. Cause you know, you want to live here. Like just make sure. You know, make sure that you have some options. Uh, otherwise, you kind of paint yourself into a corner, especially here because it's an island. It's not a place that you could really drive to um, like like other places down south. But do you ever wonder what it would have been like if you had had you stayed throughout or if you had stayed out west? I think about if I had stayed out west more than if I had never gone because uh, 
there wasn't much stopping me at the time, <laughs> you know, would have found a way one way or another. I was ready to, you know, high hitch out of here. Um, but I don't know, I guess I probably, uh, uh, I think it would be fine, but I'm, I guess the way I would put it is that I'm pretty happy with how things have turned out back here and I'm ha- and content, I guess more content kind of is mm-hmm. the way to put it. Uh, yeah, just feels right. I'm, I'm happy to be around here. My folks are around here and, um, you know, uh, things have been going pretty well. The podcast has been going well. Uh, I have this guiding business that's uh, starting to take off a bit here. And I think all of that would have been tougher if I, it, ironically, it would have been tougher if I would have been in a more outdoorsy place. For instance, I was in Bozeman, Montana before yeah. I moved back here. And it's like everybody out there is a, a you know, mountain climber and a badass river paddler and whatever it's like no one's going to do a guided trip or i felt like uh not as important out there like when you're talking to somebody you're like oh yeah i have an outdoor podcast they're like oh yeah like join the crew you (laughs) know like you and you and the next hundred guys at the bar um but yeah out here it's just worked out so yeah i i think if i were still out there i'd be doing great obviously but uh i'm happy with the way things are back here too yeah that's what, going to, to the podcast thing maybe as a little little switch uh, switch gears here um there have been a couple times where i just am so happy that i haven't taken the bait i think sometimes you take the bait a little bit and you try to be something that you're not but just this is the only story i can tell i can still i can tell my story and have to be authentic to it and just like what you like and you know be who you are and that's that's, that's so important and it makes it much more enjoyable if you start to getting, you know, too desperate or, or make it kind of weird um, or, you know, just try to bag big names or whatnot to try to validate your podcast. But and I've had a lot more fun talking to just not ordinary people, but people who are definitely talented. Um, and it's just fun to make those connections and, and have those good conversations on a podcast and make it a fun thing to do and look forward to rather than you know, I'm going to have some big name on here who's just going to talk about him or herself for the entire time. And just like, oh, well, you, I don't even have to be yeah. here. You can just talk the whole time. And that's the whole point of this. This is not, this is not what I, what I want it to be. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a hundred percent. And, uh, I, uh, it's funny with my own podcast, sometimes some of the bigger names that I've gotten, or at least, uh, bigger names that I think I've gotten, uh, uh, don't perform any better or often perform worse than, uh, you know, like you said, just an interesting person with an interesting story who doesn't have a name. So it doesn't even necessarily validate it that way, which is, yeah, funny. And then I think uh, uh, on the same note, uh, one of the reasons I like your podcast and uh, I think one of the reasons we connect and uh, I think there needs to be an, a new awakening. And I think slowly it's going towards this way of just being more real mm-hmm. uh, uh, in social media, in hunting media, in out country, in, in outdoor media, in media in general. Uh, uh, you know, the podcasting format is such a great way to do that because you can't BS like an hour conversation or a 30 minute conversation. You know, uh, it's it's just so funny when you hear folks like us having a discussion and then you turn on to like a fishing TV show and, and you hear the host talking to the camera and he's like, and you wouldn't believe it, Johnny. I got this thing. It's like, no one uh, freaking talks like that, dude. No. Like if we were sitting down at dinner, like I would be looking at you like you're the strangest thing in the world. So yeah, it's just, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. There's, um, uh, who did you have on a couple, a couple of weeks ago? Um, uh, she does the, uh, Fishing Untamed, Katie uh, Berger. Uh, yeah, Katie uh, Berger. Yeah. yeah. Fish Untamed uh, podcast. Yeah. And, and she has her friend on and they just have a couple beers and chat. And it's great because, and this is something that, that's, I think, a nuanced little thing that makes podcasting good is when you're listening to two people talk, there has to be some sort of insight because if it becomes too inside jokey and there's no value to it, then it's just, it's just like inside jokey. And it's, it's I think, Sometimes the campfire discussion is mistaken for anybody's going to listen because it'll resonate with them. Well, it'll only resonate if there are things that resonate with them. And so she's really, really good 
um, as a host. And then also when she has her friend on to just, to just talk about that. And I think, um, one of the things I enjoy about yours too, is it's like, you're, you're a good podcaster. You, you understand the, the asking of questions and having a conversation, knowing that there's an audience, but not catering to the audience exclusively. And that's, that's kind of a cool thing to, to look at. And that's what I like to listen to a whole lot more. Like I'm not, I don't seek out every single podcast that Steve Ranella or, or anybody else has been on. Like I, no one does that. And so by keeping that in mind, think, all right, well, if I happen to have this big name, on my podcast that like that I'm not going to all of a sudden have 10,000 listens because no one just tracks down every single appearance this person is going to be on because it's, it's a lot of times it's pretty much the same thing. Totally. And I found myself, uh, uh, consuming and I've just noticed this recently kind of, it's funny we're having this conversation because I've been thinking about this, uh, generally, uh, but I, I've found myself consuming more of, uh, the type of media that is what we're talking about, which is not like your produced uh, fishing show, even like your, your meat eater stuff is, is pretty good, but it's still, I mean, it's really good, but it's still like heavily produced. It's not just yeah. like a, a, a YouTube video guy out there, you know? So I've been, I've been all the stuff that I've been watching. There's a guy, uh, ND kayak angler, uh, shout out to him. I love watching his videos. It's just a guy who goes out kayak fishing and catches musky and uh, and bass, and he crushes it. But there's no music, no nothing. He's just sitting on his kayak fishing, and it's it's great. Um, and there's a couple other canoeing channels that I follow and watch now. And my girlfriend always like gives me a hard time because she's like, I come in and you're like, you're just watching something on the TV with no plot. It's like there's there's no plot, there's no characters. It's just a guy camping. I'm like, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I just put it on in the background, and and but I but I like the real aspect of it of mm-hmm. just like there's no facade, there's no they're not trying to be some big media personality. It's just like, hey, I'm a guy on YouTube or I'm a guy podcasting, and this is how this is what I do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that there's a subtle acknowledgement in the people who just do their thing there's a good story there and it is just an ordinary person that's going out there to do their thing. And it's that authenticity. It's that here are my goals and hopefully I will accomplish it. Uh, the more high end you get a lot of times, it's just a matter of, I mean, they have all the resources available to them. Like the only thing that's going to maybe trip them up is the fact that they have two cameramen. So they're making three times the noise that an ordinary person would. Um, yeah, like the meat eater, that's such a great, it, it, it's massive now, but when it started out, it's it's still similar to, to the way it started out. It's just this, it's got a good intellectual voiceover. You can tell that Steve Rinella is clearly a writer and a thinker, not just some TV host, you know, looking to, to slang out sponsors or something like that or, or make money off it. It's a, it's a really, really good show, which is why it got so big. And I think some people, when they try to steal that recipe or try to pretend to be someone that they're not, it doesn't really work. So that you're, you're telling a story anytime that you're out there. And a lot of times it's just that, you know, I was, I was working on the farm all, all day and now I'm, uh, I'm out and it's the weekend, it's that escape. And you know, that's the story and, and it's a good one yeah. to tell. And you want that person to succeed. There's some videos I've seen on YouTube where I'm hoping the guy doesn't get a caribou just because it, it's, <laughs> it's just that, you know, it's the big name. It's the big name. I threw a ton of money at this. I drew this tag or it's an over the counter money is no option. My job out here is to take this brand new hat and these brand new trekking poles and these brand new everything to make the sponsors happy. And it's just, it's like the NASCAR of hunting and you just think, ugh, yeah. it's so gross. Give me, give me that ordinary person who's going out there, who has some talent and creativity, who can tell a good story. Cause that is a fun, that's a fun video to watch. And, and same thing with podcasts. Those are fun to listen to. Yeah, I agree 10,000%. And I think the the nail uh, that you hit on the head there is authenticity. Uh, you know, that's what the guys who are, and, and that's why it works for uh, for, for Ranella, because uh, even though it is produced and as the show's gotten bigger, uh, you can tell he's still authentic. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's no BS there. Whereas a lot of the other shows, uh, when, when the camera turns off, you, you get the feeling that the guys are going to act differently. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's not being authentic. And I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be the core for, uh, for, for people, 
creating content going forward. I don't even like using that creating content, but telling stories going forward is being authentic. And I think that's what I'm drawn to. And I think that that's what, uh, uh, people will continue to be drawn to. I I think. Yeah. I think the future is going to be a lot more like that. I think there was a a sweet spot for some of those big names that were filling the void when the outdoor content world was just these people on those big ranches that were doing those paid hunts and it was really expensive but now with no gatekeepers and whatnot, and Randy Newberg and Steve Rennell and some of those guys doing the public land stuff, that was big for those first names to get in. But I think there's going to be a different – people are going to want something a little different now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes uh, going forward. And also, too, with the amount of services and, and people out there who are willing to help you find tags, find spots, do all that stuff. Um, I wonder if there's an expiration or if there's a, a threshold, if it's going to get to critical mass of everybody trying to get insight, DIY, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, uh, I tend to think that, yeah, I, resources shift. If, if, you know, if, if all of a sudden everybody wants to be the biggest and baddest elk hunter, it's like, there's going to be a lot of mule deer out there to, to go hunter, you know, or, or blacktail or whatever, you know. Uh, but plus we need as many people as we can get putting money into the pot, really. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, see how it goes. So where do you uh, where do you see your, your podcast going? What, uh, what are some of the goals that you have uh, have with it? Yeah, it's interesting. I was just actually going to ask you a similar question uh, uh, as well. So um, I think it's been going really well. I started it, I guess, two years ago and uh, didn't really have any goals with it other than just to see what happened. Uh, and, you know, I liked having conversations with people and I met a lot of cool people through it. Um, and now in the last like year or so, as I've been kicking off, uh, or two years, I guess, when I've been kicking off this guiding business, it's kind of, uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out exactly, uh, how the podcast plays into everything. Cause it is a huge role in it and it drives some, um, 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 you know, people to the, the guiding business, a lot of people. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those things like if you want to make uh make money from this podcasting thing, you have to and that's one of the goals. Uh you have to sell a service or sell something, you know. It's like it's it's tough just to do it any other way. So that's kind of one of the things that I've been doing and uh yeah, it's been going pretty well and trying to take the next step and kind of uh uh grow the podcast more, but, uh, I've had a pretty consistent and loyal following and, uh, it's continuing to grow, but you know, you always want more. Yeah. I think there's something that's so valuable in being in contact and again, in going back to, um, having some of the same people on your podcast and, and making those connections, um, having friendships with people who are high achieving or who are, you know, attempting to achieve or just getting after something else. And so even though I don't work on a farm, like I know what it's like to come back after work. It's obviously a lot different. Yours is more of a, a mental and physical grind. Mine is just mostly a, a, a mental grind, but then to do something creative on the side and, it, and you can really never know enough uh, creative people who who want to do stuff and be able to talk about stuff. So I think that element is so beneficial to me. Um, and I think it, you know, a couple of kids have talked about your ass. Hey, Mr. Lynn, do you have, do you have a podcast? And I'm like, yeah. What do you talk about? You know, and I'm like, just outdoors, fishing, hiking, hunting, stuff like that. Like you should talk about philosophy. I said, well, like people who are really, really smart and well-educated, they'll talk about philosophy. Whereas I just sound smart to you (laughs) because you're 17 years old and they kind of laughed, but, um, just doing something I think is a really validating thing for, for my students as well. You know, as a writer, um, writing articles and and podcasts and the book. So it helps my, it's, it's a nice relief of, or, or getting out some of the creative juice that I have that doesn't really apply to school. Um, because like teaching high school stuff is one thing, but just creative in my own right is, is a really good, healthy thing I think to have and then connecting with other people. And that's what the podcast has been a lot of fun uh, to do. But like you said, it's, it costs money to buy the, uh, the equipment and maybe to update the equipment, things like that. So it's nice to, to make a little, little money on the side because 
you know, a side hustle should be a side hustle. It shouldn't be something that you're just donating a whole bunch or, or throwing a lot of time and money at with, with no return. Yeah, exactly. And, and there are people who get value from it and are happy to, uh, to contribute. And, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that by any means either. Um, and yeah, it is great to connect with other people who are doing similar things. And yeah, I always enjoy following your stuff and reading your columns and, uh, and, and, and checking in on your, on your podcast too. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. It's, it's always, I, I really like doing it and it's always fun doing it, but usually like 15 minutes before I'm like, I really don't want to do this. Uh, <laughs> you know, like 30, like 30 minutes or an hour before I'm like, I would just want rather be sitting on the couch doing nothing, yeah. watching TV. I really don't want to go talk to Jeff Lund, no offense. <laughs> As soon as we get the conversation yeah. going and by the end of it, I'm like, oh man, that was great. And I think that's kind of a metaphor for my life in a lot of ways. It's like, I never want to do this stuff, but once you take the first little baby step and get the ball rolling, it's usually worth it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's another thing going back again to the knowing the people that you podcast with and having repeat um, guests on, as you know what to expect, it's going to be easy. Like I, this is not going to be work to try to all right, I haven't really talked to this person. Am I going to have to pull answers out? I mean, we can just talk about whatever, or is it going to be a, I will ask question, you will answer, and it'll take, you know, just just back this back and forth for a while. So it's nice to be able to have that expected, this is going to be half hour, 45 minutes, an hour of just easy conversation. So yeah, absolutely. How, how, uh, how have you found your podcast and how is the podcast world, uh, uh, fit into your uh, your whole umbrella of things because you got a lot of things going over there. Yeah, there's some days I like starting off with those education questions. Sometimes I wish that I could just talk about teaching with uh, or education with someone, but I think a lot of teachers don't want to have what they think recorded. And there are times where I'm not sure I want what I think recorded because it might come out in a clumsy sort of way that's going to be misinterpreted. Sure. Um, but there's a lot of stuff, you know, if people talk about how we need to have a discussion and the right says that and their left says that. And so sometimes when people attempt to have that discussion, it ends up being clumsy and then it's all of a sudden name calling. And so nothing really gets done. But I think education should have educators having a discussion, not educational theorists or politicians, you know, guessing about what would be important. So um, that would be something I'd like to talk a little bit more about. But, you know, what hunter or what angler or what, you know, outdoors person's going to want to listen to education. So, um, well, I got, I got a guy I'll connect you with. Okay. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. I got a guy I connect you with. Who's got a really interesting character, uh, a buddy of mine from my time in South Dakota. He was in middle school. Uh, I think he's a superintendent now at the time he was Mm -hmm. a principal and a teacher, but he's got a, a podcast, uh, uh, I think he focuses a lot about uh, education in the outdoor world and and or, and just uh, helping helping youth. So I'll, I'll connect you with him. That'd be a good yeah, one. <laughs> that'd be a good one. Yeah, um, yeah. So part of it too is like you know listen to what the audience wants. There's uh, there, I got uh, some v- feedback where a guy said that he doesn't really like the uh, entrepreneurship ones. I'm like, ah, oh, dang, that's that's kind of too bad because I really like talking about that sometimes outdoor. You know, but people subscribe because it's about fishing. It's about hunting. They don't really want to hear about it entrepreneurship and that's you know you want to stay true to yourself and and talk about what you want to talk about but you also have to think about the the audience for sure yeah uh, another thing that uh, i don't know why this made me think of it but uh i guess just just connecting with with uh fellow creatives and people in the same uh, in the same sphere uh uh you never especially in podcasting and in writing as well you're a writer you never really know who is consuming your stuff, right? You never really uh, have a face-to-face contact uh, with with the people. You know, you see the download numbers, but you don't really know. And I've been getting a lot more folks uh, reaching out. Um, seems like weekly now, or, or more, even more often than that. So it's always nice to hear from people. But it made me think of uh, your one of your stories from one of the times that we we spoke earlier. For whatever reason, stuck with me how you uh had uh somebody read your article in one of the state penitentiaries yeah <laughs> uh and, and yeah for for whatever reason that story has stuck with me and uh uh it's so true in that like you, you just in, especially in this sphere in the podcasting world like you just put it out there 
And you never know in what corner of the world somebody's going to pick it up and take a little nugget. Like, you know, I have people, somebody emailed me yesterday and just said, hey, I've listened to all of the episodes, love them all, like keep doing it. And, uh, you know, I don't know who they are, but it's mm-hmm. it's nice to uh, to get that feedback and to know that uh, the stuff that you're putting out there is being picked up because, you know, the numbers, but you don't always get to see the tangible evidence. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, if you look at rankings, you see the one, the the person who gave you a two or a three stands out so much more like, dude, why not? Like what happened? Why why do you not like this? Um, And so many people, and I think about it myself too. Like, I don't, I don't go out of my way to say, Hey, I really appreciate what you're doing here. Like, this is beautiful art. I appreciate this art. This is awesome music, or this is a great podcast, or I really enjoyed that, that film, that video, that whatever. And reaching out in a different way too. like likes is one thing, or, you know, a comment on, on YouTube is one thing too, but like taking that extra little step and, and writing a letter, writing a note or an email or something like that makes such a big difference. And, um, so being on this side of it has made me think, Hey, you know, I should reach out to some people who I really appreciate what they're doing because a lot of people probably like it, but don't reach out and they don't say anything about it. And so that's kind of, uh, even if in, in fact of the teaching too, I think a lot of the energy goes towards making those kids who need extra help. A lot of energy goes there. And so the kids who, I might think just know that I appreciate them. Maybe I, they don't know. Maybe I'm just like, Oh, this kid's an A kid. I don't have to worry about them. They are so awesome. You know, but maybe I have to say, Hey, Kenzie, you are, it's, I appreciate the fact that you show up and you're dependable as a great attribute to have. Thank you so much for being the student that you are, you know, you know, maybe that doesn't, they don't get that, you know, just because I assume they know they might not actually know. So anyway, it might be a good, uh, a good cue to, to send this thing off here. So what do you got for, for closing thoughts or where can people find you or what's your next adventure and, and whatnot? Oh man. Uh, yeah. Uh, check out the Buffalo Roamer podcast. It's called Buffalo Roamer Outdoors. I talk with all kinds of adventures and outdoor folk. Uh, lots of people who have done crazy canoeing and camping trips, backpacking trips, uh, skateboarding across America, uh, trying to think of Alaska, all kinds of was a fella named Buck Nelson, who is a Alaska smoke jumper out of Fairbanks, a mm. uh, career smoke jumper. And uh, on top of smoke jumping, he would do smoke jumping in the summers and then uh, just do crazy outdoor camping trips uh, during the other times of the year. Nice. And super interesting cat, cool character. Um, so yeah, you can find those episodes and more uh, buffaloroamer.com or you can, uh, yeah, anywhere you, where you're listening to this podcast, just search Buffalo Roamer Outdoors. Uh, that's the website, buffaloroamer.com. Uh, I got guided canoe trips starting to fill up. So um, but yeah, if you have interest in joining us on a guided canoe trip in North America, check out buffaloroamer.com. Other than that, man, just plugging away at the farm here, uh, looking forward to tuning up the boat and going out and getting after it and doing some more fishing. And I guess, uh, the, the final thought I have is, uh, yeah, uh, I'm no pro. I don't know much. I can learn anything though. And, uh, one, one foot in front of the other is the only way to get there. Perfect. Nice, man. Thanks. Always good talking to you and, uh, we'll, uh, talk to you next time. Sounds good, Jeff. Thanks, man. Take care. See you.